Emma Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to take a look at the laws that affect children as we grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Emma Constance? Well, I have found that now I'm 10 years old, I have reached the age of criminal responsibility in this country, and that was quite a shock to me. And I want to know more about children who get caught up in crimes and how the legal system treats them. In our previous interviews with Max Hill and Cressida Dick, we have heard that very few children get caught up in crime. But of course, when they do, it can have very serious consequences for them and has a huge impact on their lives and their family. I think it would be useful to introduce you to a criminal barrister, a lawyer who both prosecutes and defends people. Some people find it confusing that someone accused of a crime should be allowed to have a lawyer defending them. But this is a very important principle that everyone is entitled to a fair hearing, especially when it is the state, the government, who is prosecuting them, and they have all the resources to do this, and the consequences for them can be so serious. The person I think we should speak to calls themselves the secret barrister, as they don't want to reveal their identity in public and they want to be able to explain the law plainly so that people understand how it affects us all. And in fact, today, their words are going to be read out loud to keep their voice anonymous. The Secret Barrister, thank you so much for agreeing to take part in our Kids Law podcast. Can you please explain more about why you decide to call yourself the Secret Barrister and want to hide your identity? I decided to start writing as the secret barrister because I think it's really important to help people understand how the law works. I especially wanted to tell people about how the criminal justice system really works. Obviously, we can all read in books about how it's supposed to work, but I wanted to talk honestly about what really goes on in our courts. Because while there is a lot that works well, I think there's also a lot that doesn't work as well as it should. By writing as the secret barrister, I can talk and write honestly about the things I see and hear every day and show people where I think there are problems while still being able to do the best for my clients in court. Can you tell me why we have criminal justice systems? We have heard that police investigate situations where people have caused damage to property or harm people or commit other crimes and that Crown Prosecution Service decides whether there is sufficient evidence to prove that person did it. Why do we need defence lawyers? That's a really good question, and it's one I hear a lot, because it's easy to think, well, if I haven't done anything wrong, why would I need a lawyer? The police and the Crown Prosecution Service are hardly going to prosecute me if I'm innocent, are they? But as we see in the courts every day, it's not that simple because sometimes mistakes are made. Sometimes the wrong person might be accused of a crime, or somebody might have done something wrong, but not the thing that they're accused of doing. And in those cases, that person will need a defence lawyer to help them explain and to make sure the court has all the evidence, because there can be serious consequences if someone is wrongly convicted. But even people who have committed a crime, people who have done what the prosecution say, they need a defence lawyer too. We all know how important it is to treat each other fairly. It's important to ensure that the laws, the rules, are followed for all of us. This idea is something we call the rule of law, and it's especially important in situations like the criminal courts, where people could face serious consequences, like getting a criminal record or having to pay a fine, or even going to prison. 
That's why defense lawyers are so important, because they make sure that their client, no matter what they have or haven't done, is treated by the same fair standards as everyone else. If the client says that they are innocent, the defense lawyer will help them understand the law and challenge the prosecution case. If the client is guilty, defense lawyers will make sure that their side of the story is heard and that the court treats them fairly and lawfully. What happens if someone gives an explanation about their involvement that you think can't be right or they are not telling the truth? What do you say to them and the court? The key thing is that my job is not to judge my clients. That's the job of the judge and the jury. It's not my place to decide whether I think they're telling the truth or not. Instead, the job of a lawyer defending someone accused of a crime is to listen to what that person has to say and to advise them. Let me give an example. Let's say that my client is accused of stealing a bike and he tells me that he's never seen the bike, never touched the bike, never stolen the bike. But the prosecution have 10 witnesses who all say that they saw my client steal the bike and my client's fingerprints are all over the bike and the bike is found in my client's house. I would have to advise my client this is a very strong prosecution case and you're likely to be convicted if you have a trial. Are you sure you didn't steal it? And then it's up to the client whether they say, okay, I'll admit it and decide to plead guilty or whether they say, thank you for that advice, but I'm still not guilty and we go to trial. Because here's the thing about this job. Often what looks like a really strong prosecution case can change during a trial. Witnesses might say something different or there might be new evidence that emerges. And if we were to judge our clients to say, I don't believe you, so I'm not defending you, it would mean that we were stopping them having a fair trial. So instead, I will always advise my clients that no matter how strong the evidence is, if they're innocent, they should not admit to something they haven't done. Now, what I say in court depends on what my clients tell me. The most important rule for barristers is that we're not allowed to mislead the court. We can't say anything that we know isn't true. So if my client says, I stole the bike, but I want you to tell the court that I didn't, I'd have to say, no, sorry, I can't do that. But if my client says, I didn't steal the bike, then no matter how unlikely I might think that is to be true, the decision isn't for me. It's for the court. And my job is to help the client to show that he didn't do it. How do you prepare the evidence for a person accused of a crime? As a barrister, I'm not the person you come to first if you're charged with a criminal offence. Instead, you go to a solicitor. The less serious criminal cases are heard in the magistrate's court, and often your solicitor will do everything for you. More serious cases are heard in the Crown Courts. This is where barristers do most of our work. In the Crown Court, the solicitor will instruct a barrister to join the team. The solicitor and the barrister will work together to take the client's instruction. In other words, to go through the prosecution evidence with the client and ask them for their version of events. If the client says that they're not guilty, then we prepare for a trial. This might involve looking for defence witnesses and taking their statements. It might involve asking the prosecution to give us material that they have that could help our case. So we usually have months, sometimes years to prepare. In court, the barrister is the one who does the talking. The process for hearing the evidence at trial is like this. The prosecution barrister starts the case by telling the court what the case is about. So, in our imaginary scenario, this case involves the theft of a bike. Prosecution say that the evidence proves it is the defendant, Jim Smith, who stole the bike. The prosecution barrister will then call the prosecution witnesses to give evidence. Each witness goes into the witness box and answers questions from the prosecution barristers about what they saw and heard. For example, 
I was walking past Tesco when I saw Jim Smith ride past me on a red bike. The witness is then asked questions by the defence barrister. These questions are designed to help the defence case, for example, by showing the court that perhaps the witness is wrong about their evidence. How many times have you met Jim Smith, for example? How good a look did you really get as he whizzed past you? That sort of thing. This is called cross-examination. When the prosecution has called all of its evidence, we start the defence case. Sometimes the defendant will give evidence, but he doesn't have to. We all have a right to remain silent. In our case, Jim Smith gives evidence. This time, he's asked questions by the defence barrister first. He might say, I wasn't at Tesco that day. I was with my girlfriend, Jemima. Then the prosecution barrister cross-examines him. When you were arrested and interviewed by the police, why didn't you tell the police that you were with Jemima? Is it because you made it up? Questions designed to show that Jim is guilty. At the end of all the evidence, the prosecution barrister gives a speech, trying to persuade the court of why the evidence shows that Jim is guilty. Then, the defence barrister gives a speech, trying to persuade the court that they can't be sure that Jim is guilty. And this is a really important point. Jim doesn't have to prove that he's innocent. The prosecution have to prove that he's guilty. If the prosecution can't make the court sure that Jim is guilty, the court has to find him not guilty. So if the court thinks that Jim might be guilty, that's not enough to find him guilty. Have you been involved in cases that involved children as victims or as defendants? Can you explain what happened? I've been involved in lots of cases involving children. Some have been clients of mine. Some have been people I've prosecuted. Some have been victims or witnesses. If a young person, somebody under 18, is accused of a crime, they will usually have their case heard in the youth court. This is a specialist court with trained magistrates and judges and trained lawyers, which has the same laws as the adult courts, but which is designed to make everything easier for children to take part. Law is complicated, and the way that lawyers and judges talk can often be really difficult to follow, even for adults. Youth courts make sure that the young people involved understand what's going on. When children are witnesses in criminal cases, we try to make it as easy as possible for them. Usually, instead of going into court during the trial to give evidence, children are asked questions by a police officer and a video is made of the answers they give. This is then played to the court at the trial. This means that the child doesn't have to wait for months or years for a trial and can finish their part in it much earlier. Do you have a view about why people and particularly children commit crimes and are there ways of helping people not get involved in them? I think that's really complicated. I know that's not a helpful answer, but I think that often a lot of people assume that only bad people commit crimes, and that is not my experience at all. Most of the people I see are not bad people. They are just people who did something wrong. We all do something wrong in our lives. Nobody's perfect. And just because you do something wrong, that doesn't make you a bad person. Often, the people I see get involved in crime because of their circumstances. I see a lot of children who've never been in trouble before. Often they have really difficult lives at home and aren't getting the education they need and have ended up spending time with the wrong crowd. And without support, without adults acting as role models, some children follow bad examples set by others. I think that the best thing that we adults can do to help people, especially children, to stay away from crime is to give them good role models to show them that life is full of so many possibilities and that you can achieve so much if you work hard and play by the rules.
Do you think the criminal justice system works for the people in this country? I think that the criminal justice system sometimes works, yes. Probably more often than not. But it doesn't work as often as it should, because there are too few people all trying to do too much work. Mistakes get made, and we see people who feel that the justice system has failed them. I think the people who work in the justice system are brilliant. They are like the doctors and nurses in the NHS, doing their very best to help people. But their jobs are made really difficult when they don't have the support they need. And that's the big problem in the criminal justice system. I know you have written two books about your experiences as a criminal barrister. What made you decide to write them and why do you think they have been so very popular? I wrote Stories of the Law and How It's Broken in 2018 because I was fed up of seeing all the problems in the criminal justice system and I wanted people to know about them. Most of these problems are caused by politicians cutting funds to the justice system. It means that the police and the Crown Prosecution Service don't have the resources they need to prosecute people. It means that there's no legal aid for many people who then can't get a fair trial. It means there are huge delays in our courts and that defendants and victims sometimes have to wait years for their trials. I see this every day, but most of the public don't. I wanted to show the public that because of these problems, many people are not getting justice in our courts. I wrote fake law last year because, again, I want the public to know more about the justice system. I worry that lots of what we are told by our politicians and newspapers about the justice system simply isn't true. And we deserve to know the truth about our justice system. We need to know the truth about how it works and how it doesn't so that we can ask our politicians to make the changes we need. The law can be so confusing with all the silly outfits and outdated language. And I think that we lawyers need to be better at explaining to the public what we do and why it matters. That's what I try and do in my books. They're not books for lawyers. They're books for everyone. Why do you have a picture of a rabbit wearing a wig and gown on your Twitter profile? And do you think you'll stay being a barrister? When I was called to the bar, that's the ceremony after you finish all your exams and officially become a barrister, my parents bought me a little model rabbit in a barrister's wig and gown as a memento. It sits on my shelf in my study and I thought it would make a nice Twitter profile. I hope I'll stay as a barrister for many years to come, but it's hard. It's a really difficult job to balance with having a family and the long hours and difficult working conditions mean that more and more people are leaving. I hope I can continue to make it work. I can't see myself doing anything else. I have a question that I ask all of our other guests. What were you like when you were 10? And what did you imagine you would go on to be as an adult? When I was 10, I wanted to be an actor. I loved drama and I wanted a job where I was centre of attention. People often say that barristers are frustrated actors. And that's me. Thank you so much, The Secret Barrister, for helping us understand the background to the issues involved in criminal responsibility as it affects children and also about the criminal justice system today. Do you have any final advice for children who want to understand more about law or work in an area that involves law? Well, when you're 14, you're allowed to go into court to watch from the public gallery. So I definitely recommend doing that. It may be difficult to follow everything that's going on, but it'll give you an idea of what court is like. I also know that a lot of schools nowadays do mock trials, where you act out a trial with students playing the roles of the barristers and the witnesses. That's great for learning how a criminal trial works. But I think the best thing you can do if you're interested in the law is to listen to the Kids Law podcast. It's such a brilliant idea, and I'm so grateful that you invited me here to talk to you. 
Thank you, Alma Constance, and thank you, Lucinda. And thank you, too, to Alice Ackland for reading out Secret Barrister's words, and, of course, many thanks to the Secret Barrister themselves. Well, Alma, what do you think about what the Secret Barrister told us? Well, everybody has a right to be fairly represented, and barristers have to tell the truth based on the facts of the case. People who are facing criminal charges have a right to remain silent and it's up to the prosecution to prove the case against them. Children can also go to visit the courts when they are 14 years old and to watch a case from the public gallery. In our podcast, we've been exploring how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so that they can make informed decisions not only about their lives, but also about voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works. It's also important that children know that they must be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. This includes your teachers at school as they are there to look after you too. So tell them that you need to talk to them. You can find out more information and about the work of The Secret Barrister and their books on Kids Law Info website. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.